and gentlemen, welcome back to the East Go to 11 once again. I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me, as always, Zach Bartle. Zach, what's going on, dude? Man, I, I'm feeling it, uh, the awe, you know? The the awe of the presence yeah. of the godfather of the program and his his might and his and his TMJ. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, and uh, of course that is in reference, if you listened last week, to uh, Mr. Greg Dutcher back in the house. Greg, what's going on, man? What's up, homies? I thought you were, uh, when, you, when I heard the presence and the might, I thought you were either talking about Steve Hartland or uh, the Reverend James King. So, um, Zach, the fact that you would accord me that honor is great, man. Well, Greg, you know that uh, the Reverend King paid uh, Zach a little visit when he first came on. Oh, yeah, I think I heard about that, man. It was a high yeah, I mean, of honors. He, he probably eviscerated you, right? But, dude, he did it in the love of Jesus. You know, Everything King right, does right. is in the love of Jesus, so you can take it. Uh, as a gracious act, but uh, yeah, well, and, and just to be acknowledged, you know, and by by such a figure, it'd be you know like in the world of politics, if uh, if say Donald Trump were to, to call <laughs> and leave you an exit point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, dude. Exactly, man. Yeah. Hey, has Trump ever called into this uh, this cast, Nathan? He. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure we can. Uh, we could uh, arrange something of that nature. That would be awesome, man. Maybe he could Good talk grief, about you're the both summit. Eating. Right? <laughs> are you both eating? We are. Zach, uh, I drove through Dunkin' Donuts and I got you a bagel. Then I realized you're not actually in the room with us, so I'm going to eat that for you. Oh, thank you so you know, much. I, I, that's that's how I serve, man. I, I serve people. Um, now so, in Maryland, are you guys like like Dunkin' Donuts instead of Starbucks people? Is that how that works? No, pretty interchangeable actually. Yeah, there, there's there's like two on every corner practically because yeah. there's a Starbucks right down the road from here. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a I Starbucks know in Boston, guy. You can't yeah. do Starbucks. You got to do D and D. Oh yeah. Oh, D and D. That was last time. That was yeah. Right. That was last. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That was D&D last D&D. week's. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we. Uh, we, I mean, I'm I'm more of a Starbucks guy. Nathan, you're more of a, you'd say, a Dunkin' Donuts guy, correct? Yeah, because I grew up with it. Yeah. Um, so Nathan's more of a plebeian, and you're more of kind of a sophisticated uh, man of the world. Yes, I'd say that. Yeah, I mean, you could call him, I'd call I, him a, a, I'd call you, brother, a Philistine. Uh, is it wrong well, to call you an uncircumcised Philistine? Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I think sophisticated douchebag is the right, right. term for Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. Uh, we prefer D-bag. That's right. Uh, it's just a little more bougie. A little more uh, kosher. Right. <laughs> oh, well, this podcast is going down fast since I joined. Yeah. What won't they say? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we do have a great topic we want to uh, talk about with Greg, but before we get into that, we do want to shout out to uh, Mission Aware, and, um, you know, I just, I want to throw this out there that, you know, if Mission Aware had uh, a review section, they would always get a five-star review for all of their great products that they have. I was uh, just on their website uh, last night, so, Zach, last week's podcast we recorded on Sunday night, we're recording this week's podcast the next day on Monday, and I was just going on their website and looking um, at their news section, and they have that great Spurgeon t-shirt about the beards, um, and I know, Zach, that you don't have a beard, um, hmm. and I, I'm just curious, is that like, why is that? You're, I mean, you're, you know, strong, reformed Baptist guy, 
Um, and so is it just out of rebellion or what, what is the reason? Or he's unregenerate? I feel like or? A, there are a couple of, of reasons to grow a beard. There is the, it, it fits your ethos for real, like John Calvin or, you know, Jesus. Um, <laughs> In that order. I don't order. judge those guys. They're, that's great. There are the guys where they're legitimately like tough lumberjack type guys, and they're a little annoyed that the growing of the beard recently or a few years ago became popular yeah. for like uh, you know people with really soft hands. <laughs> and, and then there are those people who are just ugly and trying to hide their their ugly faces, like Joe Thorne. Um, and I, don't, I don't know if you guys have seen me, but you don't want to hide this mug. No I man. Hide these these baby cheeks. I mean, come on. This is this is grade A face over here. So it's too good, man. It's too good. I often also, yeah, Zach. I've been told you have the perfect face for audio pod uh, audio <laughs> podcasting. So that's yeah. a dad joke. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's a dad joke, man. There's also the the small matter that uh, when I grow a beard, it comes in looking uh, how you say really patchy. <laughs> And kind of like a teenager trying to grow a beard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, either way, you definitely have to check out Mission Aware um, and and grab up some of their great products. Um, now, Greg, I, I wait a minute. Start- Did you highlight that one that they wanted us to? The the Nadia Bolts Weber poster. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Dude, I'm like. I'm like the no, nerd yeah, kid at the other table, missing out on what the cool kids are talking about. It's it's the Nadia. It's it's a it's like a Peter Voth did like a illustration of Nadia Bolz Weber in her like sleeveless clerical shirt, like glaring at at the the person looking at the poster, and then it's just all like f words that have been redacted. Oh my goodness! <laughs> no, I miss I miss the, that one. <laughs> Dude, uh, see, Zach, I don't know uh, how to put our minds on heavenly things. So, um, oh right, you know, we uh, we don't really have anything to do with the unfruitful deeds of darkness. So, uh, well, well I, let me I, rephrase. Well, Nathan does. Nathan I was going to say, Greg, I don't know about that. So, so we gave Mission Aware a five star review. Yeah, you recently got a one star review. Yes. Yes. And, and so, Greg, I want you to tell us about that that traumatizing experience because the whole story just deserves to be put out there. Yeah. Because this this same day that this woman gives your book a one star review, she gives another product a five star review. Yes. So, um, Greg, uh, t- tell us about that. I- I'm sure Zach, you will feel this pain as a much more accomplished <laughs> author than I am. Um, my buddy Mike Shive, his father Dave, has been on the podcast a few times. Uh, sent an email out this week to a random group of people. He said, provided without comment. And it was just a screenshot that basically showed uh, user Tiff on Amazon, the same day she gave my book Killing Calvinism, a one-star review. Uh, He must have gone into her profile and seen she gave a five-star review of of a plastic toilet seat. (laughs) 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 So the one-star... The one-star the one review is just this beautifully dismissive, eviscerating uh, comment. I mean, it really was. I have to say, she she didn't attack me personally. She just said what she thought of the book and obviously was, was not a big fan, as is her right to do. But the uh, fact that the plastic toilet seat, she went on and said it was literally the best she's ever used. Oh, so, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was a good moment. People can, can look that up and see it themselves, so. 
You know how people will put, like, I wish I could give less than one star? Right. That's how you effectively do that, right? You, you put the five star in the toilet. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, literally, same day. So, obviously, uh, both subjects were on her mind. And you're exactly right, Zach. The comparison speaks for itself. So, uh, well, what if you don't mind my asking? Were her uh, major critiques of your of your? I, I have I have Killing Calvin. That's a that's a cruciform press book, right? Uh, uh, that is that is she. Yeah, um, yeah, I've read that. It's, it's, it's not a it's not a one star. That's like a, I have two at the very <laughs> least. <laughs> exactly. Zach's like now. Wait a minute. When I was uh, Tiff uh, and adopted that persona, <laughs> I put this, yeah, it was. Uh, what was it? I should have pulled that out for this podcast, but it. it Basically, just said a friend of hers recommended to it. And you know how that goes. She read the first chapter, and I think her comment was, uh, "Books like these are a dime a dozen. Just the author sharing his opinion, no reference to scripture, and uh, that sort of thing." And she said, "So I just threw it away." Which, I mean, in all fairness, wasn't that like the setup for your book to begin with? This is my experience with it was Calvinism. It was. <laughs> wasn't intended Wait, to be expositional or anything like that. But hey, I, I get it. You know, she. She probably wanted a stronger, uh, you know, polemic at the beginning or something like that, and uh, did not win over that. T- but it's all right, Zach, because my mother bought two copies. Um, nice. Never read them, but they are propping up two coffee tables in her house. So I, I feel loved just by that. Did, did you say that Tiff borrowed it from a friend? Didn't like the first chapter and threw it away? Oh, oh, is that what it said? That she yeah, borrowed I, that, it? That sounds like a bad friend. Yeah. <laughs> I, love like, I didn't see. like that thing you loaned me, so I just I threw it in the trash. <laughs> that is so good. And see, only in real time, see, does Zach pull that up and can find the information verifying the, uh, verifying the account. But, uh, yeah, it is fun sometimes to just go through and read those one-star reviews. Is, is that something you guys have done, Zach? feel like maybe yeah, the guys on Happy Random know that. On, on the Gut Check podcast, Ted and I used to go through and and like each week read a one star review of one of our books. Yes, and that's right. He he couldn't handle it like psychically. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's not fun. <laughs> Dude, well, with my book uh, Playing Saint, I was braced for like everybody who loved Osteen yes. to like pile on me and for me to have like ten thousand one stars from people who didn't even read it because right. they were tweeting about it. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. I can leverage that into free publicity. Exactly. And I only got one of those. Someone who was like, I like Joyce Meyer, and this seems to be about people like her. And I was like, dang it. Wow. <laughs> only Nathan, one. Nathan, we need to adopt our personas and go on. Yeah, but wait, wait. wait. In that- order to do that, I'd have to start reading Zach's books. <laughs> I, I got I to gotta, I gotta <laughs> contemplate that, brother. But I'll... I'll think about oh, it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> if Nathan can find where he put the login information for, right. for that TIFF account. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, check it out, listeners. Uh, all love to TIFF. All, I mean that. Seriously. I, I know books do not speak to everybody equally. <laughs> that is for sure. So. Oh, man. Um, so on a maybe more serious note, I don't, I don't know how much more serious we're going to get. but Probably not, uh, probably not probably much, not much we'll, more. We'll try. Um Zach, I know this this topic is, um, you know, more up uh, your level and speed uh, being a pastor and the importance of uh, taking a sabbatical, an extended rest period where you have an opportunity to kind of recharge your batteries, do a little bit more um, personal um, study where you're not necessarily 
fully, you know, preparing sermons week after week, but you're doing more um, introspective study for yourself um, in the word, not, uh, you know, not giving the sermon to to others, Um, or maybe even at times uh, you are, you're planning, you know, you're going to be coming back, you know, within um, several weeks or even months, um, as the case might be. And so you're kind of getting an outline and a schedule ready for for when you do come back of things that you want to do and, and those things. And so, um, I'm going to mainly turn it over to, um, you, Zach and Greg to kind of talk about sabbaticals and I'll kind of chime in every once in a while. And so, um, Greg, why don't you first go ahead and just, um, tell us a little bit about what led you to taking this sabbatical and then Zach, I'll let you jump in after that. Sure, man. Sure. Uh, hey, do you have a cough button? Because I'm probably going to have to cough. Uh, we'll just leave it in there. Okay, ready? Here's the cough button. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Organic. That's organic. <laughs> that is that is authentic podcasting. Um, we have chewing and eating on this thing. And we have coughing. We're you real can really hear people. the phlegm rattle, you know? <laughs> you can. That's scary. And the TMJ behind it to fill it out. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When I, when I missed last week, guys, I'm telling you, I wasn't. You know, I, it wasn't dog ate my homework. I was, man. I was, I was in a bad way last week, and this is just the residual. Uh, yeah, I went on a sabbatical from. Let's see. We are podcasting June of 2018. Sorry, guys, getting my bearings. Um, and uh, let's see. I uh, my last Sunday at church was January the 7th. So I guess it officially started January the 8th. And I returned the first Sunday in May. Um, that was actually cool. I like the way the elders did that because they, they had me return as a soft landing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't preach that day. I got up and I, uh, you know, shared just a little bit. It's great to be back. And it was just a neat day because it allowed Lisa and I just to interact with a bulk of the congregation mm-hmm. And they didn't want the last week of my sabbatical being to prep a sermon. Mm. You know, so they said that way you, you come back, you got that full week. Now, probably, Zach, you know about this. I, w- I was mentally prepping a little. It's hard not to when you're excited to, to come back. So, uh, yeah, it was about four months, four months in a week or so. It was um, longer than I probably would have uh, taken in a better circumstance. I would love to tell you guys that this was a sabbatical that was planned for two years. We had everything perfectly in place uh, to get very serious here for a second. Nathan, you knew some of this. I was uh, I was hurting pretty badly from August of last year through December, pretty much through Christmas. I never slept more than three hours a night any of those nights in those oh. four months. Yeah, it was terrible. You know, I've I've had chronic insomnia for twenty years, but it really just was at a fever pitch. Um, so you know, I do pretty well, as you guys know, on adrenaline and coffee and and all that. And I was able to to um, do pretty much what needed to do, but it it felt metal on metal in my soul uh, with very little brake pad at all. And I. Um, yeah, I talked to the elders about it and just said, guys, I am not in a good place. Um, it, it came up a little more suddenly than I, I would have liked it to. Um, so they were great. You know, they, um, they this was probably around Thanksgiving, beginning of December. 
they said, Greg, how, how far do you think you can limp? And I, I really wanted to get through Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a lot of things in place, and I said, yeah, I can, I can certainly do that. So um, my sabbatical was largely uh, of an, an emergency nature. Uh, I will tell you guys, in January, I um, was sitting there in our living room. One morning, I dropped the kids off at school. And my oldest, Samantha, is in college. So mm-hmm. uh, Lisa and I are just sitting there in the living room. And I told her, I said, what if, what if I don't feel better? Like, what if I don't want to go back? Um, and it was a fear. It was a, it was a genuine fear. I, I just felt, I didn't feel bitterness towards the church. I just felt nothing. I felt nothing at all, and um, I um, I went to my medical doctor, who I've seen for, oh boy, uh, over 15 years, told him I was tired of not sleeping, that it was really taking its toll. I didn't want to use um, some aids I've used in the past, like Lunesta and Ambien and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, that can become so addictive um, i've been there man oh yeah yeah i i have too and that's that's brutal so um yeah i'm want to be open about this with you guys i'm mm-hmm. i'm talking about it pretty much with everybody at church he he pretty much persuaded me what i think i knew about myself and lisa knew about myself that i'd probably been living with some untreated depression mm. for a long time and i mean medicinally um so uh he he put me on something and uh, I'll tell you what, guys, in about um, a week and a half to two weeks, Lisa said to me one morning, she goes, I think you slept last night pretty good. You know, and uh, I said, yeah, do you think? And uh, I would say by February, I was sleeping six, seven hours a night. I remember there was a, a night in March. Uh, for whatever reason, I remember it was a Monday night into Tuesday morning. Where I slept eight and a half hours, and I had not slept eight and a half hours for uh, fifteen years. Wow! Just, oh just incredible. And uh, in all seriousness, guys, I feel like a totally new person. So mine was a little unique. It was largely, largely related to sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. I think some, some depression and anxiety was fueling that for a long time. But I got so used to living with that as my baseline norm. Right. I didn't realize how bad it was. Yeah, you know, Lisa and I always give that example. I think I've used it on here before, Nathan. Uh, um, you know, you uh, you come into uh, your house, uh, you know, and I there's this horrible smell, and I remember it happened years ago. I came in and said, "Lisa, what is that? Is that like a kid's? Is that a dirty diaper or what was that?" And she didn't smell it. And finally, after kind of, you know, searching for it, there was a dish rag stuffed in the garbage disposal. Mm. You know, you know, it's just nasty and right. congealed crap, whatever was on it. And it was nauseating. And I remember I, I threw it out, you know, opened up the windows, aired it out. And, of course, Lisa never smelled it because she was in the house all day. Right. And you just don't notice it. It becomes, you know, this imperceptible uh, background. That's that's how it was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of other stuff that great stuff that happened on the sabbatical. But uh, and I was going to ask you, Zach, have you have you ever taken one? Um, I tried to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta hear about the attempted sabbatical. <laughs> well, yeah, but then I want to get back to your stuff, man. Holy cow! Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my I, I when I'd been at uh, Judson seven years and was starting the year eight. 
I said, uh, hey, if I'm going to take a sabbatical, now makes sense because I'm kind of a literal guy, literal hermeneutic. Oh, right, of course, of course. So I guess it should have been the year seven now that I think about it. It's supposed <laughs> yeah. to be a sabbatical, seven. Um, and they were like, eh, I don't know, uh, my, my elder board. And I said, well, um, what's the problem? And they, they said, we, we don't know how we would handle that. We're not saying no, but we're not saying uh, yes yet. Let us think about it and pray about it. And I got kind of like uh, – really defensive about that and uh-huh. got kind of mad about it. And then I, I, uh, I wound up coming up with another plan where instead of taking extended time off as a sabbatical, I would like for that whole year have like a weekly sabbatical in uh-huh. addition to my day off. Yeah. There's a place up here in Michigan called St. Francis Retreat Center. It's about 10 minutes from my house. It's run by the Franciscan Order, but it's ecumenical yeah. and it's gorgeous. Wow. And so every, every week for a day, I actually went up and uh, the idea was I'd be up there praying, reading the scriptures. Um, the problem, of course, was that since I was still on, I had as much work to do. Of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Week, and it, it just basically made the rest of the week more stressful. So I did it for about <laughs> four months and then I stopped. I um, gotcha. So I've been at my church almost 13 years now. Maybe when I get to year 14, I should say, then it definitely is time for this. Puppy. Yes, <laughs> yes. I would say, Zach, it, well, uh, let me just throw that out based on that story alone, Zach, that um, the concept of the sabbatical um, is is just sort of, even for elder teams, and I'm not trying to villainize your team, Zach, or mine, or, or, or anybody's, but it really is uh, a lost art, and I think... Um, People are confused by it. I think it's a very natural uh, reaction for, for guys that, that love their pastor, but they might think, well, you know, gosh, I work hard. I don't get a sabbatical. I, I do this. I don't get this. And I think it's, um, it needs more attention because what I learned, I, I probably needed a sabbatical. Yeah, Zach, like I, I would have loved to have had one after seven years. I would have loved to address some of the things that weren't quite at DEFCON 5, when maybe they were at level two, um, uh, you know, and I would have had the time to do it with some extended time off. Um, I think often what happens with, with, with pastors, you know, you're, you're always on, um, you know, most pastors that really care about the church are constantly thinking about their church, praying about their church. So it's always sort of the, the mental symphony going on in your head. And then there's the, you know, any moment, somebody can get really sick. Somebody can die. There's a church crisis. Um, I always say too that you know I think of somebody like my brother works for T. Rowe Price. Mm-hmm. Um, he I don't know what he does. He's a brilliant dude. He's a network administrator slash I don't know what he does. He's a he's a smart guy. Uh, works really hard. Um, I would guess that if my brother developed some kind of uh, shady hobby. I'll just say that in case children are listening, some kind of uh, bad habit. Mm. Um, if he shows up every Monday morning at seven and puts in his job, they don't care. Mm. You know, they don't care what his uh, his habits are. Uh, pastors aren't paid for a job; they're 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 paid for a life. You know, Zach, as mm. we know, you're, you're paid to to live a certain life. Your your elders would care. If you developed a bad habit, uh, some sort of moral uh, quagmire, you know, that you were you were stuck in and they should care. They have to care. Um, so in a sense, I think that the, the pastor's life, not his tasks, not his job, are is what the church should be most concerned about. Um, 
because there isn't this bifurcated, well, he does these tasks and then we don't care what he does on his off time. Mm-hmm. Good church will care what he does on his off time and uh, what kind of state he's in mentally. Um, so, of course, you know, my uh, first uh, announcement of that to the congregation is I had Steve Hartland, yep. as you know, Nathan came. Yep. He preached uh, as a favor to me and pretty did a pretty nice job sort of giving an apologetic for sabbaticals. Mm. So, mm. Um, but what you, uh, what you describe, Zach, is so interesting because, yeah, I've been in that spot where you, you're taking the day to personally retreat. And all that really means is that in the leftover time, you are squeezing in more and more work. Um, it's always to me like, uh, when, you know, Memorial day weekend came, um, I've been trying to be in the habit where I take off Fridays instead of Mondays. I heard a pastor say years ago, it's like, what? I'm like most pastors. I'm depressed on Monday morning. I want to get paid for it. So, um, (laughs) you know, I thought, yeah, if I'm low and in a funk on Monday morning, you know, and uh, wishing I'd preached a far better sermon than I did the, uh, the previous day, then on, uh, Friday is when I'm going to try to take my time. So, you know, uh, Memorial Day weekend uh, comes and, you know, you're quote unquote off Monday. Nobody's at the church office and I want to do stuff with the kids and everything. All that means is your week just gets condensed right. into those other days. It's not like the needs change. Right. Uh, your your role changes. So uh, anyway, Zach, I hope you do get a sabbatical at some point, brother, because I'm, as you can imagine, I'm a big believer in them more than I ever have been. I, I felt I really felt silly asking for it because I mean there are people on my my elder board is uh, it's five men and five women because we're godless liberals and uh, <laughs> there, <laughs> there are uh, CPAs uh, I I've got a guy who works for the state of Michigan who probably works seventy hours a week sure and is always you know on the verge of being burned out but is just you know carrying on. And and to come before them, and I, and I said, you know, I'm not burned out. This isn't, you know, I, I'm not trying to tell you this has to happen now. I'm, and so I undersold it. You know what I mean? Sure. I came in there with, with uh, I didn't want to be hat in hand. Um, and I, I said, I think this would be good for me, which means, you know, it'd be good for the church. Yeah. Uh, and, and they didn't even say no. They kind of said, let us think about it. And I kind of, you know, felt like, well, maybe I shouldn't have asked for it and came up with this half measure. Yeah, um, yeah. It, which you know, I guess I thought it would work. I, I really did, and because it was it was a situation where I had somebody uh, that's a licensed minister on my uh, my board cover for me on that day. So if someone was rushed to the hospital, I still would have my my day. Sure. Somebody else would go and and do the visitation and stuff. But but like you say, there's you know everything else that needs to get done, and I have. I've got all sorts of stupid stuff I probably shouldn't be doing, like updating the website right. uh, with my sermon each week and stuff. You know, the stuff I, I, I don't delegate. And, excuse me. I'm, I'm not choked up. I'm just, like, dying yeah. over here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it, it, felt, it felt like looking back, it, I, I think I felt like I didn't deserve it. And it, probably that was reflected in the way I asked for it and, and made them – I mean, if I had come in and said – I'm I'm at a breaking point. I know they would have supported me. Sure, I, I mean, yeah. I know they would. Of course, um, yeah, of course. Maybe not with four and a half months. That's very uh, kind of them, yeah. and you, you obviously have really good people. Um, I do too. I'm not saying I don't, but but that's it, it's is a different animal. I think when when you come in and say this is this is needed, and because people could probably sense you were going to have to maybe leave the pastorate or they weren't going to have 
Pastor Greg to kick around anymore right. if he didn't uh, right. do something. Yeah, I think in, in the way it played out, you might know this, Nathan Moore, as mm-hmm. a uh, as an insider view. Um, I think it probably surprised some people. It was pretty sudden in its uh, in its announcement. So we didn't say too much in terms of the reason why. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, again, Steve's sort of homiletical cover was, "Hey, pastors should get sabbaticals." Right. Um, when they can, and he, I remember he, um, he went to, to sort of the academic, the academic tradition yeah, and how professors historically, yeah. uh, you know, got this, this, this time. Uh, and he talked about sort of the mental energy that's put out in, uh, you know, by most, by most pastors, certainly teaching pastors. Um, and I think, you know, again, there was some confusion. Yeah. There were a lot of people, um, that I think we're wondering maybe what was going on. And to be honest, Zach, I, I, I wouldn't have had much to say. January is a very fuzzy time for me, even mm-hmm. looking back just six months ago. Um, I was a little nervous myself. I just held on to the hope that um, uh, some of my joy would return. Uh, again, like I said, I never felt embittered toward the church, like they had wronged me or done anything. I knew that it was probably something internally off and broken. Uh, and it was clearly, I mean, so much of it, guys, it was just related to the, the sleeplessness. Yeah. My, 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 uh, doctor actually said he was surprised that, um, I wasn't hallucinating. Mm. Uh, he wow. said that, yeah. you know, that, you know, sort of prolonged lack yeah. of sleep mm-hmm. can do some real damage, but I was, I mean, I was seeing floaters all the time. Yep. Just got so used to them, which we all get from time to time, but I, apparently there's some relationship between, sleep deprivation and goofy stuff going on in your vision. Um, and it was just brutal and, um, sleeping again. See now that I like, even today, dude, I woke up, Mm -hmm. was excited to come here, but, um, I woke up and because I'm appreciating sleep, Oh man, I would love to get another half hour of sleep. Right. Uh, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the other thing I did want to mention, um, that happened to me that was very helpful. And uh, Zach, chime in as you wish, because I don't know how you would feel about this. Um, years ago, I don't know, it was D.A. Carson. I was at a conference somewhere, and I feel like it was Carson or one of those type of guys, you know, Keller or somebody, mm-hmm. that was talking about um, the pastor's personal devotional life. And that, hey, you you can use your sermon material, your devotional material, your teaching material, whatever you're doing that week for a sermon or elders meeting. Um, and it should be able to be your kind of personal catalyst for your own spiritual growth as well. Uh, in other words, they were, they were, whoever was, uh, mentioning this was emphasizing, you don't need to kill yourself, uh, by adding another set of texts Mm. to study, you know, for your own benefit. So I had been operating that way for a long time where my personal devotional life was was pretty much what I was teaching and mm-hmm. preaching, which I think is fine. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any thus saith the Lord on this. And then Dave Shive, um, I, he's one of the few guys I met with regularly. I met with he and Hartland almost alternating weeks throughout the sabbatical. Mm-hmm. This is very helpful. You know, older guys, seasoned pastors. And uh, Dave asked me one time, we we're at Chili's, not far from here, Nathan, mm-hmm. uh, over in White Marsh, and uh, you know, over a, a chicken salad, he just asked me, uh, "Well, Greg, um, lay it on me, man. What's your what's your personal quiet time devotional life like?" And I said, "It 
it kind of sucks. Um, it, you know, has, has become for me, uh, I told him, I said, Dave, I suspect that I don't read the Bible anymore without immediately thinking how I'm going to turn this into a, uh, a sermon outline, a topic. Yeah. You know, I said, I just mm-hmm. don't think I do it anymore. And he, uh, he urged me, Zach, it was really cool. He, he kind of pulls out his little old school journal. You know, Dave's a big prayer journal yeah. guy and all yeah. that. And I told him that day I was honest. I said, Dave, I'm just going to let you know, man, I'm not doing a prayer journal. Uh, <laughs> I said, I have started those 20 times over the last 30 years. And, uh, he laughed. He goes, no, no, I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you to do, uh, to do a prayer journal. I'm going to ask you to do something else and see if you want to. And he, um, he basically showed me that he had been in the gospel of Mark for several months at that point. He was still in uh, chapter one. He goes, I have no agenda. He says, um, I'm just kind of reading it. I'm jotting things down. I'm not teaching any of this stuff. He urged me to, to pick a book of scripture, um, and, uh, just linger. Yeah, you know, on it for a long time. So I took yeah. John. You know, yeah. I just took John's Gospel. I, like a lot of Christians, it's the first book I read. That's what everybody told me to read, and kind of a honeymoon period of my life. So Zach, I'll tell you, man, you can probably get this. Those first two weeks, it it deepened my depression because really, well, I'm I'm reading John. I'm in John one one, and I'm I'm trying and I'm writing stuff down, and I'm immediately just thinking how I would teach it mm, or right. what I would call attention to. And it's almost like, you know, my, my hand is reaching for the laptop or the pen mm-hmm. and, and um, I'm thinking what I would do with it. And I, I remember wanting to call Dave and like to scream at him. You're, <laughs> this is killing me. You know, I, I can't do this. And, um, oh, the thing I didn't mention is Dave urged me. He said, Greg, why don't you make a commitment? And I'll hold you accountable to it. He said that you don't uh, teach on the gospel of John for three years. Mm. Um, you know, that way it's just, it's kind of a commitment you've made. And it's it's your book that you're studying just for you. Exactly. Yeah. And yep. I, you know, cause if I know I'm going to teach it in three months or six months or right. a year, okay, I can put this on the shelf and make some outlines. So it really, it kind of forced the issue. I'd say after about two weeks, I can't say I, I had some dramatic moment. I don't remember. I just remember thinking, wow, this is like the first time in a long time that this is just for me. Yeah. You know, so I started right, that yeah. in January and I'm in chapter two now. Uh, guys, and knowing I'm not doing anything with John for the longest time for me, Zach, I'll say it, it really helped it. It, it kind of rekindled a fire, yeah. uh, that was ebbing pretty low. Are you not allowed to, uh, reference like a verse or a small passage from John <laughs> in a, in a, I mean, are there loopholes here? Yes, there, uh, well, I hope so. It's, it's pretty much up to me. Well, it's interesting that when I came back, as you know, Nathan, in, yep. in May, I'm doing a series mm-hmm. called just Jesus where, I'm uh, going to do it through the summer, and every uh, week I'm taking a New Testament book yep. and just kind of giving the portrait that book gives of Jesus. You know, so I did Matthew, cool. Mark, Luke, and then when I got to John, or I would have gotten to John the fourth week, uh, I told the congregation rather than giving one big boring sabbatical update, I would spoon feed uh, them some info, uh, you know, along the way, and just give it to them piecemeal and. Uh, I just mentioned that, and uh, I got a lot of response from that. A lot of people came up and said very encouraging things that I just told them, guys, I I had professionalized my devotional life. And Dave was gracious as a teaching pastor. It's it's an occupational hazard Mm -hmm. uh, for all of us. And um, uh, 
I said, so I'm, I'm not teaching John. I said, so guys, three years from now, 2021, <laughs> I said, somebody remind me to go back when everybody's forgotten about this sermon series, including me, um, <laughs> remind me to teach what does the gospel of John say about Jesus on, on a one-off message. And there's a few people that have written it down uh, the day I said it and said, I'm coming to you on May 15th, 2021. And, uh, you know, of course, by then, you know, the premillennial rapture uh, pre, 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 pre-trib will maybe have occurred because I... You'll still be here, man. <laughs> Oh, dude, I, I walked into that buzzsaw, man. Bartles had that buzzsaw going the moment I started that. And just said, I'm waiting. Here he comes. So, uh, yeah, but I, I – and Zach, can I ask you, how do you approach your your reading, your devotional life? Uh, are, are, do you try to make some separation? Are you – look, I can tell you, you're probably at a much better place than I certainly was. Um, uh, you you might be able to, to, to do it where your quote-unquote – occupational material can double as your personal. Yeah, man, I'm in such a better place than you. Right. Not even- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that goes you know, without saying. What's funny is that, that I, I kind of went through the same uh, kind of – I remember seminary professors insisting you got to have additional stuff. And me coming to the point one day where you know I, I've been hearing from homiletics professors – this stuff has to have an impact on you. You got to preach it to yourself first, right. before you can really, you know, preach it to anybody else. And so I'm, I'm thinking like I've got, you know, I, there's, there's more than one element to this. I'm not just like pawing through some commentaries and making notes on the Greek and then, and then g- giving it directly to the people. So I am benefiting, uh, but more lately I have been actually reading through the Psalms, and I have to forbid myself from going to the original language if I'm going to, um, you know, because I'll, I'll get really curious really quick. Right. And right. Uh, especially in the New Testament, you know, where where I'm like, I bet I know what that Greek word is. And that would be so, I got to just keep myself from doing certain things. Wow. That will cause me to, uh, you know, and, and <clears throat> especially with a narrative book like John, you, you can appreciate the story a heck of a lot more if you read through it without, you know, dissecting it you're so true um, that's exactly you're, you're, right. you're reading through it like the original uh, recipients of this thing yeah um just just reading it going or or, or an unbeliever who, who's handed a gospel of john and it's like oh my gosh what happens next i know i know he dies on a cross but i mean i don't know all the the details yeah and and you almost get to appreciate the story anew when you're not uh looking at it like you know it's like I know there aren't kids listening to this, so it's like why I would, why I would never want to be a. Uh, um, no, I don't want to say it. Well, yeah, all right. Why I would never want to be a gynecologist, man. I, I, <laughs> hey, we're back or, to the what won't they say? That's right. Yeah. No, I, let me say this. It's like why I never want to learn all about birds. Um, yeah, yeah. Like everybody's like, look, a pileated, whatever, whatever, and I'm like, no, no, no. I just want to see pretty birds. I, that's that's the thing. Um, and and you know, I have the the burden of knowing what kind of parallelism is being used in the Psalms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's hard. I can't really keep my mind from clicking. Oh, there's the, there's the chiasm. Oh, there's yes, the, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. But oh, well, I mean, I, I, I make myself focus on the content of it. Yeah. And, and I mean, God can speak through both. I'm not, I'm not saying he can't. Of course. Um, but you know, the, the real trick would be you keep the, the prayer journal, but really the prayer journal is prayers that are like, Dear Lord, I noticed in John three fourteen. <laughs> I, I, I started keeping a prayer journal once, 
Yeah. And I don't know how you feel about this, but if God speaking to people, I mean, I don't know how much of a cessationist you are, but God, in the midst of that, spoke audibly to me and yeah. was like, buddy, that is a diary, whatever you call it. Wow. <laughs> wow. So I stopped. He was like... <laughs> He was like, what are you, some kind of Nancy boy? <laughs> Why don't you get a little lock and key for that thing? Are you sure that wasn't Reverend James King that said that to you? <laughs> the two, I conflate the two so frequently. <laughs> oh, some great stuff there, Zach. You, you, you are so right. It's, it is, it's hard to shut it down. It's, come on. I mean, every time you hear a sermon, it's like, I'm sure you're like I do. I, you almost can't help but think, okay, yeah, you might even like it. The guy speaking to you, it's, it's really up. You think, how would I have approached that? Oh, I wouldn't have emphasized. I would have emphasized this. You know, you. It's hard to turn mm-hmm. your mind off because yeah. it's like oh, anything. How can it's I what steal you do. that, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> how can I steal that? And hopefully, this guy doesn't post his messages to the internet where people find out. Um, <laughs> you know, again, I keep hoping somewhere. Here, here's an idea for a book, Zach, for you, that some preacher finds a brilliant. Uh, other preacher who has never posted anything online, um, you know, and he he just you know uh, just combs the uh, church uh, directory of the nation, finally finds some little obscure church in Iowa that has this golden mouth preacher, and uh, yeah, I'm sure that'll sell a lot of copies. Um, but in my mind, well, I, I thought, thought he was going to have to kill him or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you might you know you might have to make sure he preaches his last sermon on the series. That gives you enough to take you through to your retirement, then kill them, <laughs> and then uh, you know. Will anybody find out because they can't? They can't Google check it and stuff. See, <laughs> there it is. Th- these are the things I was thinking of uh, when I wasn't sleeping, <laughs> and why I needed it's to go an on a Amish sabbatical. Pastor, maybe right? <laughs> yeah, an Amish pastor. <laughs> I remember hearing a comic, like a last comic standing one time. Dude, his entire routine, it was almost uncovered, which is eviscerating Amish people. And the very last thing he says, he goes. Hey, you know why I love busting on the Amish? Because they're never going to know. <laughs> yeah, that was Brad Stein. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I think that was Brad Stein. Yeah, Brad man. Stein, who used to be one of my favorite comedians, and then he turned into just another shouting head on Fox News. And yes. I was like, oh, remember when you were funny? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so true, dude. That does capture his career arc there for, for sure. Um, hey, Greg, can I ask you a question? Please. Of your, your experience here. Um, uh, the the taking of antidepressants. Yeah. Um, why don't you trust God? I mean, wh- why are you uh, why are you clearly showing a lack of faith? Yes. And- yes. Um, well, I I think you just answered it, man. No. <laughs> no. No. Great. Great setup there, Zach. Um, I feel. Have we, have we? Did we ever do a podcast, dude? On, I know we did some on depression. We yeah, did. we when we did um, Zach Eswine, Spurgeon Sorrows. Oh yeah, when yeah. We had him on. We talked a little bit about it, but I don't know that we ever got specific into medication. Into and medications. Like that. Yeah. And I feel Hartland was talking about it one time in in some other mm-hmm. uh, some other capacity. But uh, to Zach's question, uh, yes, that is. Um, I mean, I'll say this, Zach. I. I actually tried some antidepressants uh, maybe 10 years ago. Runs in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, some anxiety, some depression. And the reason I, I know that is when I'm having a really good day, circumstantially, but something just is off, mm-hmm. mm. is, you know, kind of when you're like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm feeling good physically. Yeah, There's no real crisis going on. Lisa's good. The kids are good. 
um, why is it this is kind of a cloud in this this uh, this darkness? So you know, for it, it, I'll just say this: without, it runs in my family, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's a very generational thing. Uh, so early on, I was pretty comfortable with an, in, an integrated approach. Uh, pastorally, I've told people this uh, for years. I said, um, "Okay, if you're if you're starving, if you're hungry." Um, but you've got a major crisis going on. Uh, why don't you go get something to eat first? No, it's not going to solve the crisis, but it's sure going to aid you right. in dealing with the crisis. So I, I try to make sure that folks know the the pill, the prescription um, is not Jesus. <laughs> it's, right. it's not you're going to take this, hey, and all of a sudden my problems are going to be gone. Right. Uh, but if it better positions you, Mm-hmm. to uh, think a little more clearly, to be a little more grounded, a little more centered, so that you are exercising your faith, you're mm-hmm. reading scripture, you're getting the counsel of other uh, other Christians in your life. That's the way I've kind of approached it. Mm-hmm. So on a personal level, Zach, for me, I, I tried it years ago. Um, I took two things uh, over the course of a year, and both did nothing except make me feel worse. Uh, and... Just, uh, I remember one made me really nauseated, uh, and headachey. The other just seemed to just make me, you know, agitated. And so I just uh, forget this. So pragmatically speaking, I was a, a Jay Adams on steroids guy that I was, uh, yeah, I would have intellectually theoretically said, yeah, there's a place for medication, but because my own experience was so bad with it. I just said, nah, forget it. Uh, I'm not going to do it. And so when my doctor talked to me about it in January, I, uh, you know, he knows. I said, you know, I, I know him on a first name basis. I've seen right. him so long. His name's Carl, and I said, Carl, I, I, uh, I don't know. I've got a lot of uh, apprehensions about this. And he said, I understand. Uh, and um, he said, just you know, he said, why don't we try it for about six weeks, six to eight weeks. And he had me check back in. I've got a portal. I mean, I was emailing him every day. He's been a great doctor to me. So uh, my thought on that, uh, Zach, is, of course, that the fall has affected. Um, you know, I mean, I wear prescription glasses. Um, right. You know, so that's what I would say. Often when people do do the, you know, you should trust the Lord thing, uh, I always look to see if they're wearing glasses. And I said, well, you, you should trust the Lord. I mean, what, what do you need right. that corrective pair of lenses, you know, when the Lord is here? Uh, so I, I say that uh, why wouldn't the fall have affected uh, things that I don't understand, mm-hmm. uh, you know, brain chemistry and uh, uh, things of that nature. So, um, but I, I have to say, Zach, I think the question is good because I, you know, I, I'm constantly asking myself, you know, what if I didn't have this? Uh, am I off the hook? Uh, am I not responsible? Uh, mm. What about Spurgeon, who didn't have any mm. anything like this, who I personally think would have benefited from it, mm-hmm. based on? I mean, uh, Zach Eswine convinced me of that when we when we uh, when we interviewed him. Um, yeah, I think there's a there's a tendency for people to to like um, romanticize the depression of of long dead men like Luther so often couldn't get out of bed he was so depressed yes. and they're like yeah but his wife came and cheered him up and that helped his marriage and then he recognized his need for god more and it's like dude th- he could have accomplished probably far more 
had he not been saddled with this thing yes. that literally sits in your mind and takes up space and, and drags you down. Um, you know, I heard a preacher sat in the pew while a preacher stood up there and I was helpless to stop. Uh, he opens his sermon with a, a uh, folksy little sermon illustration about depression and pills. Yeah. And his, his, whole, his whole Haddon Robinson big idea was – the only pill you need is the goss pill. Oh, oh no. Dude. Go home and throw the rest of your pills away was the subtext. Wow. And I'm going, this guy, I bet he just broke a law. Yeah. Um, or there should be one to keep that. I mean, what are you, what are you doing? Wow. And I've often equated it when people will talk about this stuff like that with, uh, you know, if you break your leg – um, you get a cast, and if you know, because the broken bone is a problem, and you know, I I, I don't understand everything about the it's it, what it's synapses that aren't yes. firing or something, mm-hmm. serotonin levels and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, why, why wouldn't? You, but I like your glasses thing; it's far better because it's an ongoing thing that does a little corrective and makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was well put. I'm I'm that's stolen. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I stole it from somebody, Zach. I don't know who. Uh, <laughs> who but, cares? Yeah, exactly. Some small timer with no podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, man. I love it. No, that gospel. Yeah, uh, it's it gets to the point. I, well, to go back to what you said earlier, Zach, about romanticizing it. I think I did that. I um, yeah, because you, you go and you hear the great. Uh, message, you know the the mm. you know, the Sproul like, and I'm not saying Sproul said right. any negative pills, but the the Luther biography. Right. And here I stand, could do no other, and um, you know you 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 learn about Luther, you learn about these guys, and it's sort of like wow, look at these guys. Or you read Piper's The Swan Is Not Silent series, and um, who's the dude? Cooper? I mean, it looks like Cowper, right? But William Cooper. Oh, that uh, wrote God uh, moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. If I remember on that, see, you know, listeners can check me, um, reading Piper's book on that, that dude woke up one morning in London, it was foggy, with the intention to throw himself off the London mm-hmm. Bridge and yeah. his life. Uh, and then he, it's so, the the fog is so thick, he's walking around the city and, uh, you know, can't, can't find the bridge. Mm-hmm. And he walks and walks and walks. You can barely see two steps in front of him. He ends up in front of his own home. You know, sees his, you know, his door and just was so tired of walking. He went in and uh, started writing that hymn. Mm -hmm. Um, So here's a guy that, you know, I believe it's been a while since I read it that uh, would, you know, Piper's take on him would have been the uh, the number one candidate today for somebody that may have benefited uh, from this kind of treatment. I always say that, look, you know, I, I definitely think there's probably some truth that we're we're probably a little too pill happy. Uh, I, you know, you talk to people, like, man, I'm frustrated. I, is there something that can help me with this? You know, and you think, hey, um, you know, I, I don't think that should be the first line of defense. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, you hey, you you you've been at this for some time. You're doing everything you know how to do. Uh, why wouldn't you seek some help? And uh, I, I have no doubt, a hundred years from now, if uh, you know the human race is still here, I'm sure they'll look back on this age we live in. And uh, we'll have learned a lot mm-hmm. and say, can you believe they used to do this yep. when people had depression, anxiety? Um, but it doesn't mean there's no value. Right. Um, 
And I think, you know, it, it varies a little doctor to doctor, person to person. Yeah. But yeah, I think it is easy to romanticize, uh, as you said, Zach, the almost the depression. I, and I bet it, it, uh, if you could see it lived out day to day, it lo- looks a little less, uh, Hollywood. Yeah. Well, and when we right. were talking to uh, Swine, I mean, he would, you know, he talked about, you know, Spurgeon going up into his attic and just locking himself up there yeah. for days and, you know, going through what he called like, what is dark uh, periods yeah, or, or black moods, yeah. I think might've been the term. Yeah. You know, and so when you, when you think about, you know, that side of things and like, you know, Greg, from what you're talking, that's how you feel. Like, yeah. let me just crawl up into the attic, shut oh, the door yeah. and just, you know, everybody leave me alone for a few days. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Well, no, with Spurgeon, it's because it was like Winnie the Pooh. We got into the attic somehow, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for a few days. Right. The jars of honey are all up there. <laughs> and the honey pot up there. That's perfect, dude. I, I will say, dude, I mean, you talk about sermon prep. Uh, Alistair Begg told this uh, at a conference years ago. I don't know if you've ever heard this, Zach. He said that uh, you know Spurgeon went to bed on a Saturday night and he didn't have a sermon, you know, because he, you know, Spurgeon was able to pull that off. He didn't preach through books, you know. Yeah. I mean, the Treasury of David is his only real kind of mm-hmm. sequential, we call expositional work. Uh, but he was always textual, and he, uh, you know, he, he preached on First Corinthians one week, Deuteronomy the next, and and uh, he he's gone to bed, um, and he's got nothing to preach. And it's Sunday morning, and uh, he woke up the next morning. There, ha- he and his wife are having breakfast, and his wife hands him a, uh, you know, on some sheet of paper, um, basically a little outline, and uh, that uh, he had called it out in his sleep during the night. And uh, oh, no. <laughs> so, Zach, I mean, that's how that's how you write your sermons, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, I told Lisa that she goes. People would not want to hear the, the things I heard you call out in the middle of the night. Although, I don't know, man. Yeah. When, when I used to take Ambien, yeah. apparently, my wife told me that like I wouldn't remember these things. She would say that when I had Ambien in my system, I was like incredibly formal. Wow, really? I would speak in like like, like a very formal way to her. Uh, and and uh, perhaps I could have come up with some really solid systematic theology. Oh, in there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Dude, that's incredible. Because I thought when you were on Ambien, you you tweet racist comments in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That that's something else. I'm sorry. I, don't know what, I got I got sidetracked there. But uh, dude, I I've taken Ambien too and things like that. I actually passed out one time from Ambien. That, for me, it just did not work. I mean, I don't, same thing. I don't remember, but um, it's when Ben was a baby. He was probably two or three months old, and I wasn't sleeping well then, so I was trying some Ambien, and Lisa just hears this huge thud because it was, I don't oh, know, wow. four or five in the morning, and Ben woke up, and I went in to check on him. And fortunately, grace of God, I wasn't holding him. Uh, oh, wow. But I had no memory of it. I was on the floor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, maybe it was something else, but we she sure thought, you know, right. stop taking this. This is this is strange. and. You know, that was just, it, it varies from person to person. Sure. Um, but I, uh, yeah, we, we're talking a little more about depression than sabbaticals, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're certainly, certainly uh, related. And I know our time is. Yeah. Well, and, and so, I mean, you know, just kind of maybe try to bring it back around, you know, you, I, I've, you know, been here um, listening to you guys talk and. Obviously, I haven't been a pastor, but I have jumped between, you know, Zach, you were talking earlier about, you know, your congregation and people, you know, having these professional jobs that they work and things like that. And I've floated between that and being a teacher. Mm -hmm. 
And as a teacher, I get a built-in sabbatical every single summer. Um, and so for rub it in, why don't you, buddy? I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> just just a little salt on the wound. Yeah. But I can tell you, there is a huge, huge difference between me going out and cutting down uh, trees every day and working twelve-hour days and and sometimes fourteen-hour days and getting up and doing that five days a week, having my weekends, having my you know typical. Um, two weeks off a year oh. type of deal. Um, there is a huge difference between that because there I, I'm physically exhausted a yeah. lot, but I have the night to recharge and recover and then start over again. Right, right. Where as a teacher, I find myself not so much physically exhausted, but I am emotionally and mentally just spent and drained. Yeah. And there is no, there is no recovering from that except for a long period of time. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, both my wife and I were talking, we were getting to the end of the year into May and everything was just driving us absolutely nuts. And it's not, I mean, the students' attitudes change, but more so, so does my attitude. Right, right. And so the things that they're doing. And so, you know, I can just from that perspective, see the importance of pastors needing to take that time because you're in a position where you're dealing with things even more. I'm dealing with, you know, 50 to 60 teenagers and their moods and hormones and their parents. But you guys, you're dealing with the families in the church. You're dealing with, you know, the the weddings, which are great highs, I would assume, but also the funerals, which are great lows. Um, and so, you know, the responsibility that the pastors have, I think, would demand um, sabbaticals and, and longer sabbaticals to recharge their batteries and, and come back in. So, yeah. Well, well part- weddings are lows, too, just so you know. Well, yeah, that's true. I, hey, Zach, I mean, we could do a podcast on that sometime, dude. Uh, pastors' feelings on weddings. Uh, weddings are what I like to call the weekend killers. <laughs> Uh, you know, because whenever the, you know, which is why I'm doing a few less. Yeah. We've tried to tighten up our policy a little bit because they are a lot, but just to, um, say quickly here at the end, because I know we have to wrap it up, but I, um, I, I hope anybody listening, Hey, maybe you're inclined to just, uh, start a conversation, not demanding anything, but maybe if your pastor has been at it for a long time. Hasn't had a break, and I'm with it. Four months is a kind of a crazy long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our church did very well. They covered it well. They got a lot of good guys to come in and speak, and uh, you know, Mark did a great job. Our uh, our XP uh, kind of uh, keeping everything steady, but uh, probably worth uh, worth a conversation. Yeah. It is. Uh, I think Zach said something earlier that that is often lost. If it benefits the pastor. Mm-hmm. It should benefit the church, yeah, right. And and I'm surprised that that connection. Sometimes people need a little help making. Sure, I think they're willing to make it, but I think it's just there's it's a foreign a, concept. It's, to yeah, that, foreign it's almost idea, a firewall yeah. up between the two, and yeah. you have to kind of work a little bit to say, hey, this is going to be good for everybody involved. Yeah, it's a short term sacrifice for a long term gain. Yeah. Well, Zach, I know that you've got to uh, run up and. Uh, Pick up your boy there. He's coming into town for a few days to hang out with. So we're going to go ahead and let you get to him. Um, He just texted me. uh, I'm so excited. I want to get black lung from all the cigars we smoke. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's Ted Cluck in a nutshell. (laughs) Hey, I got to ask, is is Cluck still not doing the social media thing, Zach? He – well – I don't. It's hard to say. He he tweets as his movie that that uh, came out like a long time ago, and he talks about other people's tweets 
but he's not on Twitter. I, I got know. you. I got you. He's probably on in some stealth capacity. We'll, we'll find out. I think he's Tiff, but we'll. <laughs> we'll <laughs> you ask Cluck if he's really Tiff. He's going to find out who that is. So good. Oh, guys, great conversation. We're going to go ahead and sign off now. Gentlemen, we just rocked the Casbah. These go to 11.